this is where the cost of energy for the mining itself is zero. Uh, I think this is the kind of solution which will at some point start beating all the economies of scale of the large miners. And that's why I think the, the large miners in the long run will move to something else, let's say. This is the Blue Collar Bitcoin Podcast, a show where average Joe firefighters explore the most important monetary technology of the 21st century. We talk Bitcoin, we talk finance, and we talk shit. Good day to you, and welcome back to the mix of depth and superficiality that is the Blue Collar Bitcoin Podcast. This week, Josh and myself, Dan, picked the brain of Alex Busarov. Alex is the founder of HeatBit, a company that's developing plug-and-play Bitcoin mining devices for the home. During this hour, we unpack what HeatBit is pioneering and engineering, but we also zoom out to the broad and, we argue, significant implications of Bitcoin mining working beside auxiliary applications in your house. The symbiosis of Bitcoin mining with other applications is something we've unpacked on this show repeatedly, but mostly as relates to larger industrial applications. Workable plug-and-play solutions that allow the individual to harness these benefits is a really big deal, and one Alex argues could tangibly improve Bitcoin's decentralization, as well as alter the very fabric of the mining and computing industry as we know it today. While we're on the topic of the individual, make sure you're exerting personal control over your Bitcoin private keys. Not your keys, not your freaking coins. Do you own real Bitcoin or do you own a claim on your Bitcoin? Make sure it's the former with the world's most trusted and secure hardware wallet, aka signing device, the cold card made by, yep, you guessed it, CoinKite. These unassuming and badass calculators are affordable, ultra secure, and truly air-gapped. To top it off, they're accessible and usable for all plebs from uber tech nerd losers who haven't seen the sun in days or had sex in 20 years, to badass firemen like us who bang on the rag and have bodies like Greek gods. You can use code BCB, that's code BCB, for a rock-hard discount on the cold card. And for discounts on a wide variety of other CoinKite products like the Block Lock, check out our affiliate link down in the show notes. Now, plebs, if you haven't attended a Bitcoin conference, you seriously should consider it. Unbelievably good content kindred spirits everywhere, and worthwhile networking opportunities. And, well, good news, because Bitcoin Amsterdam is back October 12th and 13th. Top-notch speakers, including Edward Snowden, is a headliner. You can get 10% off your tickets to Bitcoin Amsterdam in October and or Bitcoin 2024 in Nashville next July using code BCB. That is code BCB. Well, Josh, we have Elon Musk on the show. Elon, uh, how are you? Dude, you... <laughs> I knew you were going to rip that off. I knew it. <laughs> so just so that way I have full awareness of what's going on right now. Like I just made the joke that Alex looks exact. He looks like Elon Musk. He even has the same tone of voice, the same affect. It's basically Elon Musk's brother or potentially Elon Musk we have on right now. Dan just ripped it out right out from my maw. Yeah, I just took, I just literally picked it straight out of Josh's mouth, put it in mine and chewed it. Uh, wait, so introduce yourself though, Alex, so people can can see that you're, you're Elon's better half here. Um, well, my name is Alex. I'm a founder of Edmit. <laughs> um, these two people say I sound like Elon Musk. I don't know. Um, is that just a pathetic American thing to say? Like, I'm, do we just sound exactly the same to you? No, 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 no. Uh, I think in America, there's so many different accents in America. This, yeah. You know, you, you go to a different city, there's, there's a different accent. There's people speak so, so different. Plus, plus there's a lot of people with 
um, a different language um, as their native language. And that has implications for how they speak as well, right? So mm. someone from Hispanic background might sound completely different from someone who is, um, you know, with the uh, Hindi background as, as their mother tongue. Right. Yeah. So yeah, Americans all sound very good. Yeah, and then you've got everything from Boston to Texas and you know, California. We've we've got at least like four or five different regions in the US where people have completely different dialects, it seems. But we don't sound as smart as the British. And cultures. I mean totally disparate cultures. Yeah, it makes funding a lot easier when you're Elon Musk, at least. You just buy you buy Twitter for twice what it's worth and then change the and then you throw away one of the <laughs> One of the greatest symbols I feel like that a company's come up with, like the the Twitter logo, the tw- everything about Twitter's brand is great, and then you just change it to X. Like what up? It's just gone. Horrible Poof. decision. I feel like I'm still going through the grieving process. I I kind I kind of like that he's um, he's making some bold moves, right? You you gotta give it to him, right? It's it's risky. That's all he does is bold moves. He knows that some people are not gonna be happy with it, but that's that's what a leader does, uh, and I think he he's he's a great leader. I think we can, we can give him that as well. Whether we, we agree with what he says or what he does or you know, what he's doing with Twitter. Well, I mean, the proof is in the, the guy literally, I think it was PayPal, right? In the early 2000s, he sold, he got $100 million from the payout, took all of that money, doubled down on it and started two companies that people would be like, you're completely insane. Like you want to start a rocket company and an electric car company, you're going to fail and you're going to lose all your money. And he rode couches for like five years mm-hmm. as a millionaire just because he rolled it all in. And he was successful. So you can't really argue with the fact that the guy knows what he's doing. Yeah. That's actually a topic, Alex, we want to get into at some point here today is just a broader conversation. Maybe we'll round into it at the end about starting something like you're doing. I I think ponying up, raising the money, putting up the capital, taking the risk, ideating. Yeah. Having the belief in yourself. Going out on the free market and taking a chance is something that so few people fully understand and almost everybody takes for granted. Why don't we start there? Let's, why, don't we, why don't you tell us about the story of just being an yeah. entrepreneur, starting this company, and then I'm sure that that dovetails with Bitcoin. Well, the, the story of Heatbit started in early 2020. Um, I lived in China at the time. Uh, the, the COVID was just starting. We already... Uh, under lockdown, it was getting very boring, and I bought myself a Bitcoin miner, uh, Ant Miner S9K, as a toy. It wasn't for for any kind of serious mining with residential prices. You know, unless you steal that electricity, you can't really make money. So it was really a toy, something played with, something you potentially break, and yeah, did yep. break it place. Um, and yeah, I, I turned it on in my bedroom, and it got first. It got really loud. Uh, and then it got really hot, and I thought, well, it could be a great heater. And I do have a bit of a background in uh, energy. My my first job was in uh, consulting, and I worked for about two years consulting different energy companies. So with some understanding of how the the uh, electric power systems work, how the energy is being distributed, so I thought, well, this is actually great. They the same energy is being used for two different purposes at the same time, bringing efficiency to the whole system overall. So at that very, very high level, you think, well, you know, when, when, you, when you're bringing so much efficiency to a process which be- was becoming bigger and bigger, and Bitcoin mining is getting really big um, in terms of its effect on the world, 
then you know there's there's going to be something in it. Yeah, that's that's how we started. Then there was uh, hundreds different iterations on different models. There was uh, completely different design concepts of the uh, of the product. Uh, the product that you've seen uh, as a first product that was kind of a proof of concept that we actually delivered to the market. Keybit one, you know, this tall tower. Yeah, that was not the first concept that we worked on. Uh, the first concept was this um, huge rectangular. It was actually a, a tank, uh, rectangular tank that you would hang on the wall. You know, like the uh, wall hang heaters that would have um, liquid cooling in it, and you know, cooling the the, the boards, maybe S nine boards. We wanted to make it completely fanless, so zero noise. But mm. realized that there was just so much heat that it would not dissipate into the room fast enough. So yeah, it unfortunately it didn't work relying just on convection. Uh, so yeah, we changed the concept to what became Hebit One, this whole tower that I'm sure you've seen in, in the videos, or maybe in, on a, on our earlier version of the website. Not only did we really quickly recognize in Miami that you're you're building a fascinating, innovative, pioneer sort of product. We also knew we wanted to talk because you're your Twitter feed on Heapit is is littered with wonderful sexual innuendo. You often align <laughs> your your various heaters in in ways that may or may not have been seen on famous porn videos, Josh. Things like that. So product alignment <laughs> and branding alignment seemed uh, very symbiotic. Yeah, seems like that fits. It fits. When, well. when did it go for you, Alex? From okay, this is a kind of cool idea to this could actually be a business, a workable business. Uh, with the with the first sales, you know, we 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 talked a little bit about you know how how you start a business. I, I think getting to sales when someone is actually paying money for something mm. that you do that that's one of the biggest indicators of something that might work. Yeah, it, it might still not work. You know, so so many so many mistakes that you can make. But if uh, the the most um, Startups, especially not just companies, but startups, where you do something innovative, something new, you don't know if people are going to pay for it. You don't know if it's actually needed. A lot of people are solving problems that are made up, and they they only find out after building. So for me, it kind of it got serious, and I realized that well, yeah, there's something that that's going to work when uh, when we sold the first few units, and we actually pre-sold those. Um, you know, when I mentioned that huge tank, we actually yeah. sold two of those. Um, it was a, a pre-sale on the website. We thought, let's just put it up on the website. We didn't have the product yet. We had the concept. We knew that this is what it's going to look like. Roughly, this is what the cost is going to be. So we put the price on it. And then uh, there were two people who bought it. Uh, uh, one is in uh, Canada. The other one, I'm not sure. I'll, well, I don't remember where he is. He may be in the US, maybe in France. Uh, it was a gentleman with a, with a French sounding name. Uh, and yeah, when they bought it, we thought, well, you know, even though it's just the concept, there's no product reviews, there's, you know, nothing online, people are still paying for it. So, you know, it, it must, it must be needed. I mean, we, what we're doing is obviously very different, but I remember back in the day, Dan, when we had our first couple episodes and the last time I looked, I think maybe the first couple had like 80 downloads and that was just like guys at the firehouse and probably some of our family listening to this, like what clown project are these two working on and then seeing you know that growth happen it is it's such a cool experience it usually takes 
quite a long period of time for this entrepreneurial journey to to really get kickstarted. No one ever just, I mean, there are a few exceptions to that rule, but very few people are lucky enough to like create a product or create something and people are just immediately enthralled by it and just jump on it. It's like it's like winning the lottery in a way. And it also probably isn't a good thing for a lot of people because you're not really sure what you did right, what you did wrong. You didn't have the time to kind of curtail your product to what it is the market wants. So along those lines, what is different about the new Heatbit Mini versus the tower design you guys had a few years ago? Um, so the first one that we started selling was the Heatbit 1, the tower design. Um, and now we, we have Heatbit Mini in pre-orders and that's coming up in, uh, I think I told them we, we're going to be able to start shipping it. It's actually coming up quite well. So how are they different? Um, the Heatbit 1 was a lot more like a proof of concept, right? It's uh, it's the first product that we actually delivered, but inside it had it had a second-hand uh, Aunt Miner and S9. And we actually got criticized, right, by, by a lot of people who do mining themselves that'd be like, well, it's just an S9 with, that looks nice. That wasn't quite the case. I wouldn't quite agree with that critique, but we, we never raised any money. We, we, we funding or funded and still funding the company ourselves. And yeah, developing the, the circuit boards for the miner, that, that's kind of expensive. To start with, you, you try to build something and to really deliver it to, uh, one, to really test the market, and two, to prove to the market that you can actually build something. So that was the, the purpose of, of the first product. And uh, yeah, we, uh, we put the second-hand miner inside. Um, all the other components were new. <laughs> it's just the miner that was it. But I think we really excelled with uh, making it quiet. A lot of people were surprised with how quiet it is when they actually received it. And so there were a lot of things around the uh, uh, safety aspect of the, uh, of the device versus just, just using the miners heat directly. Uh, so yeah, that was the, the first product. We sold about a million USD worth of those. Had a lot of problems with them. A lot of things went wrong, uh, especially things around the 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 miner both hardware and software related because if that's if there's some hardware that you didn't design um you you don't fully control the condition and the specs of it at scale you're gonna start getting problems and yeah that's what we've hit even though it was what like a thousand devices we, we already hit quite a quite a few problems with those but it was okay the way that i saw it is well we should, you know, if there are problems and, uh, you know, s s someone has it broken, we should make sure that we are either refund the money or replace it as long as we can do it. It's, it's fine. Now, coming to Heatbit Mini, uh, this is not the proof of concept anymore. This is the properly designed high-end product. Uh, we did design the custom miner for it. So uh, straight from the, um, from the chips. The, the only thing that we're buying there is the, the uh, chips. It's the five nanometer um, tech chips, the, really the latest stuff in, in the mining tech, really efficient. There's 33 mining chips in every Hitbit Mini. Uh, and that, that is about 20 billion transistors. Uh, it's a similar amount of transistors to uh, like a MacBook, for example. It's mm. It's it's really the latest. I'm, I'm I'm I know I keep talking about this everywhere, but I'm I'm, I'm I guess I can say I'm a little proud of it. <laughs> <laughs> that is really cool, and it's also I think that's really telling that you've got the ability to acknowledge that you had some issues with the first product, and 
that's i mean a lot of people would just ignore or pretend there weren't issues i think it's really stand up to say yeah we had some issues and it was related to you know the s9s that were in there or however have you but now the fact that you guys are designing this thing from the ground up yourselves you have full control over not only the software but the hardware of it i think i mean it sounds like you're you're going to have a lot fewer issues if any at all because you you've got full control over the whole stack the miner the circuit boards and everything around it we designed so to zoom out the the really fascinating angle here is is how much of a pioneer product this is there has been a lot of talk about pairing mining with auxiliary applications and that has happened moderately at industrial scale but we are talking about bringing this same application this same mining unlock these better economics in home let's talk a little bit about that idea overall and a potential progression of Bitcoin mining and a move of mining towards the individual because of the ability to do numerous things in home in a smart home configuration that mine Bitcoin with energy you're using already. Start however you want there and we can riff on that because this isn't just cool. It's a very powerful idea that could significantly impact the Bitcoin network in decades to come. Yeah, there's the energy implications and then there's decentralization implications as well Mm. to it. Uh, which are also quite important, I think. That's kind of how Satoshi designed it. I'm I'm sure he didn't mean to have this huge um, mining plants with thousands of devices all in one place. I don't think that was the idea. Yeah, when you when you think of moving mining into homes, uh, well, that's that's how it started. That's how originally you know people were mining each you know having a, a few miners, and then it grew um, in size, and then you have something. Like the economies of scale, so the more miners you put together, um, the the better economics you can get out of it. Then it got more and more competitive. Then uh, in most countries you have cheaper industrial uh, uh, electric power rates than the residential uh, rates. Uh, so yeah, people started putting together really big chunks to get the industrial rates and and sell the, the residential rates that we pay at home. Then it just grew in size. Then you've got all the uh, all the huge Mining companies, they went public so they could raise the money from the, the financial markets to reinvest and buy more machines and you know, grow in scale. That's, you know, that's, that's the fact. That's kind of how, how the industry went. I think rightly, the industry got criticized for um, a, a lot of the uh, energy consumption, right? So there's a lot of energy is consumed by mining. And so you use that energy um, and then... It supports the Bitcoin network, which is important. So that's the justification for the use of that energy. Uh, but then you, you you kind of force the world to choose that you know you you either use a lot of energy or you support the Bitcoin network, right? It's 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 not a very pleasant choice. Now there is another way, and that's what we do with with our devices and um, the, with more of the industrial devices that that you mentioned when. Um, you use the uh, mining to create the excess heat that you also use. Uh, let's let's put it this way: How, how does a, a usual electric heater work? It takes uh, a one unit of energy in the form of electric power and turns it into one unit of energy, the same amount of energy in the form of heat. That's what a, a regular coil um, electric heater does. There's very basic basic physics to it. 
Now, when it comes to uh, mining, you know, if you do it through um, a, a miner, same thing. It takes one unit of energy uh, and creates one uh, in, in the form of electric power and then creates one unit of energy in the, in the form of heat. It's the same energy conversion, just that it's done not through the metal coil, but through um, the silicon chips that also perform the, the calculations, which is kind of like a side effect here, right? If you think of it as a heater. So at the end, you're doing two things with the same energy at the same time, which is just a lot smarter way of, of doing it. Um, and this way, so if you think of it, let's say, take, take an example of a, a consumer who's using electric heating at home. They already use the energy. You know, they, they need to keep warm, right? They have to use the energy. They already use it. And around the world, there's, there's a huge consumption of energy just for electric heating. It's over 600 terawatt hours. So this is like twice the power consumption of the UK, just to put it into perspective. Um, and Bitcoin mining is like 150, like a quarter of that total Bitcoin mining. Now, this guy is already using the energy to create heat. So now if you say, well, why don't you not use the, a usual electric heater, but use a Bitcoin miner? to do that, then the guy is using the same amount of energy, gets the same amount of heat, but also gets a reward from the, uh, for the computations that his, stuff, uh, his system is doing, right? So here it's, it's mining, but it could, it could be any other computation as well. Uh, and, and this way, mining doesn't consume any extra energy. There's, there's been uh, a defense of the uh, centralized mining industry uh, put together uh, in the last year and a half, maybe two years, that, oh, yeah, it does use a lot of energy, but very big share of the energy is renewable. Uh, there's a certain truth to that. Uh, at the same time, if that renewable energy didn't go into the centralized mining, it would actually go into the grid, pushing out all the not so clean energy, right? So, and this is where the argue, argument kind of breaks. Uh, but if you don't use any extra energy for the mining, in like in my example with a guy using a heater, then it all starts to make sense. And, and I think what's so powerful here, and where the the various incentives and facets of Bitcoin align across so many different fronts, is not only is this make sense from an energy standpoint, but it, it also is just better economics. On the furthest end of cheap, when you think in-home energy, on the furthest end of cheap is energy that you're already using. So if you can find a way to take those energy costs that exist, your electrical bill is $100 a month, and you can somehow keep your electric bill $100 a month and mine Bitcoin, which is basically the mission statement of this product in your company, why the fuck wouldn't you do it? It's quite literally free money and it's zero waste. So now you bring in the whole energy component if someone is environmentally concerned. And it's also contributing to the decentralization of the network, which is uh, another, I mean, we talked about that, touched on it a bit, but it's not necessarily a good thing that we have these massive cohorts of miners that are all centralized and all can control and point that hash rate in a certain, especially as you know, politics kind of intermingles its way into uh, Bitcoin as it becomes larger. There can be state actors that can ask these miners to not necessarily approve a certain transaction or you know, any of these kinds of um, issues that can come up. So having a, a further decentralized base that is not only not wasting energy, is using it efficiently, 
And also, you know, as a side effect, cleaning the air in their house. I mean, it's a, it's all good things. I wanted to, I wanted to ask you about this. I did some napkin math. It seems that most residential, like natural gas heaters, like we use in the U.S., not really that familiar with what they're using in other places, but it's about a hundred thousand BTUs. An S19, from what I can gather, produces about eleven thousand BTUs. So nine or ten S19s would potentially heat my house to the same degree that this heater that I use for my central heating in my house does. I mean, at the prices they're at now, it seems like it could be reasonable. Like they're about a thousand dollars each, but Two years ago, S19s were $12,000 each. So obviously way outside of the purview of reasonable. Do you think that is a possibility in some in the future that we could actually be central heating in a house could be done with Bitcoin mining? It's a good, it's a good question. And I'm interested in your, your take because the what I'm starting to envision, especially hearing you ideate and you are sharing some new ideas before we click record, water heating. You mentioned cooling, heating. If the product is created, it will be used back to the better economics. Like even if you're even if you're not a Bitcoiner, who doesn't want to accumulate any sort of asset while doing the same things they're doing already? Like I think I heard you say before, like we're talking about orange pilling through heating, orange pilling through smart home applications. It's like a totally different route to come at this. And it's it's the ultimate manifestation of if you build it, they will come. If you say to your neighbor, dude, I just put in this air conditioner. This is how much it costs. And the thing spits off X amount of revenue per month. They're going to fucking buy the thing or at least be interested. Yeah, of course. Why not? There are companies that essentially take a bunch of miners like S9, S19, you know, whatever, whatever other miners that they use, uh, put it together in a tank. Most often they use some sort of liquid cooling for it. And yeah, put it at the, at the basement of the building to replace the uh, an electric heater or or a gas furnace or whatever they've got, and uh, yeah, heat the heat the whole building. Do you envision yourself expanding to more in-home applications? Because I think I think one of the hurdles, which which I also think is worth exploring, is a setup like you just described is unbelievably expensive and has a lot that needs to be added to your let's say your home setup to make that possible, even home mining in and of itself, the list of frictions that present themselves, huge increased electrical load, amperage, you got a ton of heat generated, fire hazards galore, especially from from our angle. You've got maintenance of ASICs, you've got home security concerns, really expensive miners, tons of, tons of noise, it takes up a bunch of space, insurance considerations. What if your house catches on fire because you got this mining setup? Technical complexities. You add all that stuff together, hat tip, kudos to those folks that are doing that. But for somebody to implement that at home, that might be one of the fringe, amazing things you see on Twitter. But for that to be implemented by the average Joe with three children, fuck no, we're not even close. Dude, the last part you mentioned, the technical part, the, that is a huge hurdle for a lot of people. Like a lot of people have trouble running Bitcoin nodes. You know, this is (laughs) a bit more complicated than that. And you have to make sure it's running because if it's not, if your Bitcoin node doesn't run, it's not a big deal. You fire it up whenever you need to do a transaction or something. But this thing, if it's not running, you have a huge sunk cost here and it's not making you any money. So yeah, you really need that. You need to make sure you know what you're doing, especially under these bigger, more elaborate setups. From our vantage point, and I'm, I'm sure you'll resonate, this is what's innovative about what you're building. This is a plug and play device. This is a UL certified plug and play device that anyone can use in their house. It's very, very different. And once again, hat tip to anyone home mining. It's cool as fuck. 
it's just not workable for the average person that doesn't have 40 hours and a bunch of cash laying around to set this stuff up. You're pioneering simple, usable products with app interfaces that can be plugged into residential homes. Do you, do you intend to maybe to continue to branch that off into other products that could subsume more of the home, kind of like Josh is suggesting? There are some obvious ones um, that also relate to heating, like water heating, right? These are kind of obvious. Um, in our ideation sessions, you know how in some parts of Asia, uh, the, the warm toilet seats are very popular? I bet they'd be popular here if we had them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're very popular in Japan. Um, sometimes you see them in China. Uh, but yeah, we're, we're not doing that yet, though. The heated toilet seats, we have those at the firehouse. We have a guy named Dennis who spends about an hour every morning <laughs> on a specific toilet. You just have to wait for him to get off, and then your toilet seat is ready to roll. It's nice and warm. Yeah. <laughs> the only problem is when you walk in there, you're gagging. Yeah, it's. Uh, uh, I mean, it's not a perfect solution, but it's what we have. You know, and he doesn't mind Bitcoin, does he? <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, with the methane he produces, he probably could. Yeah. The firehouse Josh and I work at is uh, seen a lot of love. It's been around for a lot of years. Um, there's not good ventilation in the bathroom, which is inconvenient, Josh, when you're trying to brush your teeth and Dennis is in there taking a shit. Yeah. Hey, be- wait, re- before we move off the toilet humor here, <laughs> we had a guy. This actually, this is a real story. This actually happened as unbelievable as it is. So yeah, we have some toilets and look more industrial style toilets, like the heavy duty ones that just connect back to the back wall. And so this thing is bolted to the wall, probably to some two by fours in the wall. This guy was so big. He sat down on this toilet and snapped the porcelain off the wall and, ex- and, and fell to the floor while mid shit and started <laughs> screaming for yeah. help. <laughs> this actually happened. Help. He's lucky he didn't get any lacerations from the toilet coming off the wall like that. But real story, real story. Real story. That happened here. Well, being a firefighter is a dangerous job. It sure is. It in is. more ways that we can think, right? You got to be careful. Those toilets. Food will get you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the big one that uh, we started working on not long ago is uh, cooling. So at first, when we thought of cooling, we thought, well, that's kind of counterintuitive. Uh, mining, you know, computing creates heat. How can you combine it with cooling? You could put the miner into an existing AC and then, yeah, the AC would cool the miner so you could mine and then you would use the AC as well. Um, mm. But it kind of, it's the, the two processes go against each other this way. So there's no efficiency created. It's, uh, it's kind of wasteful. Right. But then we actually came up with a, a slightly different method, patented it, of course, uh, that you use the the small miner and the heat to start a process which is similar to uh, a heat pump process. It's it's using salt and water instead of uh, using compressed air like in in the normal AC. In the end, it's just like any AC is is basically a heat pump. Here, it's a heat pump which is started by a small heat source. That miner is that small heat source, so you can actually start getting the the cooling which is driven by mining. And in this case, the processes don't go against each other. It's one process that that's, that supports different parts of it. When you built this thing, Alex, walk us through kind of some of the efficiencies you built into it. Because there are multiple, multiple angles, multiple cats you're trying to skin. You're doing the purifying, the heating, and the mining. Talk to us about the engineering and balancing those three facets as you, as you constructed this thing. There, there's two big ones. So one is... Uh, we're actually using the uh, very efficient chips. So they give 
uh, a lot more mining per unit of energy than, let's say, S9s. Um, so that's kind of the base of it. There's the second part was we thought, well, let's actually start with a problem. We, we saw uh, as a lot of air go, goes through the, uh, the chips to, to cool them down, um, it, the, this dirt, right, it gets stuck on the chips or on the radiators, it um, decreases the airflow and everything starts to go down there. So we thought, well, you know, we kind of need to tackle that problem. Uh, so we introduce an air filter. But then we realize that it basically becomes an air filter. If we have an air filter inside, you know, it's as, as basic as it sounds. So we thought, well, why don't we just make it, you know, uh, we actually add the functionality of an air filter. So, you know, create, creating the functionality on the app, etc. People could use it as an air filter in summer. So that was the other part. And then the third part, we realized that your usual, usual heater would be about 1.3 kilowatts of, uh, of power. So we thought that if we do all of that with chips, there's an inherent inefficiency to it because the, the chips are expensive. Doing 1.3 kilowatts of chip, the, pro, the, the chips, would, the price of the device would be way over $2,000. Uh, and it's kind of expensive for heat. So we thought, well, what can we do about it? Um, also that if we, if we do everything with the chips, you wouldn't use all of that the whole time. You know, so let's say September, October, when it's not that cold, you don't want to use your heat at full power. So you, can, right. you pay for the chips that you don't use half the time. So we thought, well, let's, let's minimize it. Uh, and we added only 300 watts worth of the chips. So that's, that gives you kind of the base load. So, and we added a regular heater on top, a regular uh, metal coil of uh, one kilowatt. So what that does then is when you, when you just start using the heat and you use very little heat, like 300 watts or so, you already get the whole mining mm. out of it, the hundred percent of mining. But then on a cold day, yeah, you just turn on the essentially the regular heat and out heat bit mini, and then you're covered. These are the the kind of efficiency that were built in as design of the device. I think that component, and I heard you say that on a previous show, that's the key. And and it it's a little counterintuitive for someone that's really only interested in the Bitcoin angle. But what what I think is so scalable and workable about the solution is you are building for a good heater and air purifier almost first with a miner in it. Back to this like orange pilling through the smart home. If you say, hey, there's this insanely expensive device that mines quite a bit of Bitcoin and it also does you know a little bit of heating. I think that's much less powerful than saying, this is a good heater. This is a heater that could heat a studio and it also mines Bitcoin. That's back to what we're saying of that that sort of net zero. You have to have a good application, a good auxiliary application for this thing to be scalable. Well, actually, if we talk about orange pilling, I'm pretty sure there are a lot more people with uh, electric heaters at home than people with a miner. We, we give people an electric heater and we try to bring down the price. We even introduce the, 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 the prices of uh, about three hundred dollars. This is where we share the the mining half half with with the user. We basically sell it at at manufacturing cost. You know that's that's how much it costs to manufacture. It kind of makes it a lot more convenient for the user that you know they they just a, a good heater and purifier is going to cost about that. So we're kind of trying to to fill that niche already. 
So yeah, let's let's see what the volumes are like. But yeah, there are a lot of people with uh, with heaters at home, and this this is where we are uh, kind of o- o- orange pilling a, a very big community. Do you have an option to different mining pools, or do you guys have one specific pool that you guys put heat bits in to keep the technical side of things down for people? Uh, right now, it's Nice Hash, um, and the reason we picked Nice Hash was uh, they basically have one of the best APIs to to manage all the um all the accounts and and the earnings and balances etc so that enabled us to uh build in pretty good experience into the mobile app um and later on so but we we're not married to nice hash and it's not that you know we 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 have to use nice hash always it's just that they do have a good api and it was uh, it was good experience i actually used nice hash for about a year and a half. I have a gaming computer that I wasn't really using for anything. Just got it on nice hash. I don't, you can basically choose if you have uh, GPUs, just mine whatever's most profitable and transfer it into Bitcoin and send it to me. So I, I had this computer mining shit coins for like a year and a half and double, it paid for itself, I think twice by the time it was all over with in Bitcoin, which is pretty sweet. And nice hash worked great the whole time. It's the only mining I've had any experience with. Um, yeah. And, but, it, it's not that for some reason we are completely stuck or heatbits completely stuck with NiceHash. Not at all. Uh, it's just that we, we didn't build in um, other uh, other pools yet, uh, but we will. We do plan to do that. Um, that's the choice that should be given to uh, the users. That being said, there's, for, the, for the mining community, someone who is mining already, they expect that choice. And this is where they kind of ask us, hey guys, why you still don't have it? Right. Whereas if we talk about the more general audience, for people who just buy a heater um, and then there's some cashback, and at first maybe they don't, don't right. even understand where that cashback comes from or what Bitcoin mining is, um, they're very far from choosing the mining pool. So what we need to give them is convenience so that it's easy to start and they can already start using and actually mining Bitcoin, even if they don't understand what it is or even if they don't know what the mining pool is or how to choose it. And then the right. these things will come. It's just that they will come a bit later. You you shouldn't start with that. That's that's what I think for sure. Yeah, I, I'd imagine your target audience is not the ones who've already had miners in their house. And you know, you guys are, are oriented towards the retail people who maybe have an interest in Bitcoin and they need a space heater. Like it's a perfect combination there. Or and I would kind of put us in this category. Maybe you even more so than definitely more so than me, Josh. But somebody that would theoretically like the idea of standing up a home mining setup, but is keenly aware of the frictions and challenges that exist, right? You're already running a Bitcoin node. I've thought for a long time, man, I wish I could hash on the network, but it's just not workable. The place that I live, the context I'm in in life, and and I'm not saying that this is the same as, as somebody having six ASICs in the backyard, but it is a way to contribute, to participate, and it's just fucking cool. A lot of your your initial folks that are going to be buying heat bits are just in the camp with us of just saying, this is just fucking cool. You guys have a great design as well. It reminds me, the, the first time I saw it, I thought at, Apple had uh, like a MacBook, uh, not a MacBook, the Apple Pro, like the, the circular cylinder looking one from like 10 years ago. The design reminds me of that. I think some of the inspiration for our industrial designers uh, could be from the Mac, uh, from those Macs. Uh, that I think I think the similarity uh, may have a reason to. 
look, we 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 making a good product for for homes. Of course, it should look good. It should be it should be convenient to use. It should be quiet, right? It it shouldn't annoy your cat or dog. Pe- people should be happy happily using it. It needs to pass the the wife or the significant other test. <laughs> you know, it needs to be something that you can put in the living room and not have your wife be like, "What is this random Bitcoin toy?" I don't think there's any wives that would ever complain about another heater. They're always cold. I don't know about yeah, yours. you're right. They're, my wife's always like cranking the heat up in the wintertime to like 80. We got dudes at the firehouse that are cold though. Andy, he's always cold, dude. He's wearing a long sleeve in the in the heat of the summer. He's crazy though. My girlfriend was very happy using the the old heat bit one uh, last winter. Each time she would she would come to it and turn it on, and it's warm. You get warm, and it's like, oh, it's also making money. Good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I wanted to talk to you about your take on chip technology a little bit. Mm-hmm. You've indicated in the past that we might be reaching a little bit of a plateau, particularly in the Bitcoin ecosystem of chip and miner efficiency. You're not saying there's a cap on it, but a bit of a plateau. Uh, unpack that for us in terms of why, why you feel we're sort of there. Um, so let me put it this way. The chips become more efficient with uh, the, the lithography where um, the, the smallest parts within those chips uh, get smaller and smaller. The smaller those are, uh, the more transistors you could put on, on a square millimeter or square inch, um, the more efficient the chip is. And by now, the technology is, uh, is in single nanometers. One nanometer is very, very, very small. When they print those, when they print those chips on the wafer, there are things like the, the amplitude of the uh, ray of light that, that does it starts to have an effect, right? It's a, that kind of precision. Right now, the, the technology that we're using, uh, it's only applied in maybe two or maybe three places in, in the world. One is in Korea, one is in Taiwan, maybe one in the US. I've, I've, I saw some of the reports of the manufacturing with the stack in the US, but I, I'm not sure it's, it's, it's there yet. I think they might be building... Um I think it's either Intel or AMD. Uh, TSMC or was, might be building a plant here. Yeah, TSMC was building something in, in Arizona, I think. So basically, the the every technology it kind of first it improves very fast, and then it starts it starts to hit some some ceiling. It's, it starts to plateau, and then you can still have some sort of incremental improvements, but they're going to be incremental. That happens with everything. Until the whole paradigm of the technology changes and is completely new technology replacing it, and then you you have that repeating. That seems to what's what's happening with the with the chip technology uh, now. So if you look at the at the mining, it had huge improvements in efficiencies over the past ten years. You you look at the lithography of the chips; they they kept improving very fast, but now it it improves slower, even though a lot more funding went went into the industry. And the implication for the industry is that before, or well, in the last 10 years or so, the, um, the mining would compete on two different drivers, the two different factors. One would be the technology of the chips, how efficient your devices are, and two is cost of energy. Now, as the chips are plateauing in their efficiency, uh, the cost of energy is going to be the main factor. Mm. And this is, you know, coming back to the early discussion that we had, 
the cheapest energy is the energy that you already use, you know, just, just like you said. So, and this is why I believe the solutions like, like ours, not necessarily ours, I'm sure we're going to have competitors, maybe someone will, will be better than us. Uh, the solutions like ours, when the mining goes back into home and then you, you know, mining and the I, I, either heat or, or cooling uh, I use at the same time. This is where the cost of energy for the mining itself is zero. Uh, I think this is the kind of solution which will at some point start beating all the economies of scale of the large miners. And that's why I think that the large miners in the long run will move to something else, let's say. Wow. Uh, do you know much about lithography? How much uh, smaller can it actually get before we're talking about just atomic level where it just can't get smaller before we have to have a different kind of technology? I know I've heard of three three nanometer is possible. I know that's like the next generation, mm -hmm. but it's probably a year or two out. I, I'm just wondering if you know anything more. Is there going to be, are we talking about one nanometer? Is that possible? Uh, ju just before our, our call, I was reading about that. I, I didn't see anything on the possibility of one nanometer. I think, uh, I mean, we, we, sh we should run this uh, as a bit of a calculation. How, uh, how many atoms are there in, in one nanometer? Like the, I think it kind of gets to those kind of calculations. Exactly. It's going to be really small. Yeah. This theme that you just unpacked there is new to me. And I didn't think about it in Bitcoin. Like the analogy that comes to mind that, that I just thought of is... Bitcoin has become less and less of a niche fringe market. So we were basically, it was minor leagues. It started with you playing basketball in your front yard with your kids. Then it was your buddies in the neighborhood. Then it was junior high. Then it was high school. Then it was college. And we're kind of getting to the point where we're playing in the pros. Like the tech that's in these minors, we're in the fucking MLB. We're in the NBA. We're in the NFL. And so those athletes will continue to get better. You know, if we look at how good a sprinter is or an NFL running back or quarterback in 15 years, they'll be better. But the pace at which that accelerates is going to be diminished because we're not ranking up in league over and over again. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly my analogy. Yeah. And I think in, in a lot of senses, tell me if this makes sense, but that is quite empowering to the home miner because now what's built into, say, your product or whatever your competitors come up with in a lot of ways, shares the same architecture as the big dogs, right? You can bring the major league basketball player in your front yard, and obviously you're doing it at, at really diminutive scale, but you're, you're using that level of talent or, or, or tech in, in the device in your own house. I think that's, that's a very good way to put it. Yeah, absolutely right. As an aside, I just looked up how many atoms are in one nanometer? 100. So we're talking about only 100 atoms wide. That's fucking crazy small and i don't know how many atoms you need to keep the electric conductivity uh but i guess right need quite a few so yeah it's it's already hitting the, the limits there all right let's close with this you've made some statements about sort of a broader potential mission you've said something about building a distributed computing network for the world when you say that, are you talking specifically about Bitcoin? Are you going broader than that? What, what's the meaning behind a statement that significant? I, I think we're going to go broader than that. Um, we, we started with Bitcoin mining um, and we're going to keep the Bitcoin mining in, um, in our product portfolio. Um, at the same time, we also see other kind of computing where what we do starts to make sense. And we're coming from a little bit of, a, of the 
energy perspective to it, right? I started talking about the efficiencies and how what we do is making Bitcoin mining a lot more energy efficient. I, when I looked at the chart of uh, growth of computing for uh, AI models training, it's off the charts. Have, have a guess. I, I don't know if, you told, if I told you this before, but have a guess. Uh, what was the growth of uh, AI computing over the last 70 years? It's going to be huge. I was just going to guess in the last year, it's probably gone up an order of magnitude or, or more. Order of magnitude means 10, right? So, but 70 years, how many orders of magnitude? Let's go with five orders of magnitude. Six. It's grown up. It's grown Damn. a million times. Not million percent, million wow. times is grown. And so far, it's, uh, so you think, well, if it's grown so much, it must be using a lot of energy. Well, it does use a lot of energy. But so far, the AI computations, uh, the growth in AI computations was largely fed by the increase in hardware efficiency, right? They're still on that curve. Mm. And that's why the, you know, the leader in, in, in the chips for that, NVIDIA, has recently become a trillion dollar company because they make, make some of the best tech. They charge well for it as well. Imagine a world though. I'm just thinking about this. Everyone's, I think there's two kind of disparate ways this AI thing ends up going, which is like these centralized databases. And we're kind of talking about the same thing again with Bitcoin mining. Like we've got mm. huge databases doing all the work and then, you know, giving you permission to, to use it or to transact and AI, which is the same thing, giving you permission, censoring the information and output from you. Or you could have what you're describing, which is say you're energy consumption at home is, con is contributing to the AI you're using. And therefore you have no constraints as far as like uh, censorship or any of those other concerns that can come with having data centers doing all the work for you. And saving energy, right? The, the AI is going to be using huge amounts of energy um, once, especially once the technology starts. So. Right. And this is really, this unlock is only possible with tip of the spear hardware in the home and really good connectivity. But as those things improve, yeah, you can envision home computing across a lot of different arenas. I think what is so powerful and unique about Bitcoin's fit is it, it doesn't matter when it's on and when it's off. No matter what time of year, what temperature is outside, you can start earning money with the click of a finger and that there is no timing product mismatch whatsoever. And we've talked about it a lot on this show, but it is such a unique buyer of energy. And it is fascinating to see that those energy implications be distilled all the way down to the individual potentially in your own house. That's a really good point though that you just made, because as far as Bitcoin doesn't care where the energy come from, comes from, where the hashing comes from, but with AI, you'd almost need people sharing. You'd have to have like a giant crowd share thing where you're contributing to the AI because you're not going to necessarily need the AI at whatever point you're producing it. So someone else could probably use it. You use theirs and vice versa. Gets a little bit more complicated, but it's a cool idea. I was thinking you were going to go with something more like folding at home where people have like scientific, um, there's universities that allow really? people's, if your computer's dormant, it can just run calculations for a university or whoever needs it. Yeah. Or uh, re rendering for, for movies. You know, I, I, it's what, one of my personal favorites is um, if our devices could render the next Oscar movie, that would be kind of fun. Hell yeah. Alex, we appreciate your time, man. This was uh, really interesting. Close this however you please. Uh, so yeah, our website, 
heatbit.com. Very easy. If, if someone wants to find me specifically, you can just email me. It's alex at heatbit.com. That's not hard either. Um, so very easy. There's a few things that I wanted to mention um, that may be relevant. One is for anyone interested in what would you actually wanted to buy one. Now is a good time because we, uh, we're going to be closing the um, uh, pre-order discounts uh, and going to start charging the full uh, season price quite soon. So um, I think getting it in August is probably the best deal as it's also clear that the product is, is, is coming up well. And two, for anyone interested in not just getting our device, but being involved in what the company does, we actually plan to run a small funding round focused on our customers. Uh, it's going to be through WeFunder um, with a crowdfunding site. I'm, I'm sure you've heard of uh, WeFunder. It's, uh, it's not going to be a huge amount. And it's basically we're raising the money for uh, two reasons. One is we're going to raise it at uh, a seed valuation, whereas we're quite further than seed by now with over a million in sales. But we thought, well, especially with our early customers and, you know, they've had to go through some, some difficulties with us. We thought, well, let's give something back. And this is one thing that we could give, you know, let's raise a small amount of money, but it's, it's a smallish valuation so that we kind of give back to our customers, involving them back into, into our company. Yeah. And the, the, the money that is going to be used is actually going to be used to uh, produce in larger quantities, driving down the price. So everyone kind of wins. Yeah, that's that's the other thing that I wanted to mention. And uh, yeah, feel free to reach out. We uh, our, our Twitter is uh, heatbed underscore com. You know, that's that's another source of info about about what we do. Gentlemen, just thanks a lot for your time. It was really great to meet you at at the conference earlier this year. Um, to be honest, I really enjoyed our chat. Uh, I hope we'll have more of those on podcast, off podcast, whatever. Uh, it's it's really been a pleasure. Right back at you. Yeah, we'll keep building. We'll start mining at home and uh, keep the master bedrooms toasty through the winter, Josh. Absolutely. Thanks, Alex. Thank you. Well, folks, that does it for this week. And Josh and I can tell you that our firehouse may or may not be quite warm and the air extremely pure this upcoming winter. Really, really cool to hear what's being built out there. Talk is cheap. Ideas only get you so far. And it's a pleasure to talk to those who are actually doing it and building it. If you do prefer video of these chats, you want to see our beautiful faces, check us out on YouTube, Blue Collar Bitcoin. If you want more of our takes, we're active on Twitter at Blue underscore Collar BTC. We're also on Noster. PubKey is down in the notes. And if you aren't listening to us or your other favorite podcasts on Podcast 2.0 apps, why not? You could be earning free Bitcoin. Our favorite app for pods is Fountain. You can find us there. Until next week, keep that mind and body fit, my friends. Take care.